you're listening to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you conversations for the health of all things. In these special episodes, I am joined by guests on the show to explore how the osteopathic concept presents in their lives and learn about their personal and professional stories. Ranging from osteopathic physicians to those familiar with osteopathic treatment to those associated with osteopathic medicine in a variety of settings, these conversations provide new perspective on lighting the way for the path to best health. Please note that while I am a physician and may interview other physicians, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Welcome back to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey back with an episode of Conversations for the Health of All Things. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Diana Mercado Marmarosh. She is a family medicine physician in Texas and is also an ADHD life coach. She is the founder of Overachieve Life Coaching, where she helps physicians create systems that support their zone of genius so they can create freedom of time. So excited to have you here today. Thanks for joining me. I'm so ecstatic to be here. Yeah. So tell us your story. How did you get into the practice of medicine? So I always, so I grew up in Mexico uh, till I was 10, but I actually was born in Texas because my parents were migrant workers and they would get permission to come and work in the fields, either like in um, California or Washington. And on the way back one time, I was born <laughs> in Texas, <laughs> but um, I always knew that um, my dad or my mom wouldn't go to the doctor here in the, U- in the U.S. We moved when I was 10. My mom said, okay, now I have three, three kids and your dad's always been working in Houston and I can't be a single parent. So we moved to South Texas. And I saw the whole time that me and my, and my brother and my sister would go to the doctor here in the U.S., but they wouldn't. And it was a common thing among the Hispanic community that they would actually drive to Mexico because they felt like their doctor could speak their language there. And Mm -hmm. so in my mind, I decided I was going to go into medicine so that people could have a physician who looked like them or at least who spoke their language. And so Mm -hmm. that's what motivated me to go into medicine. Yeah. And tell us about that journey. So how was that path in making that decision at a pretty young age, it sounds like? And following that trajectory. Yeah. So it's funny because I I knew that that's what I wanted to do. But then as I come from a very, very humble family, my dad was a welder. He attended only third, fourth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom... <sighs> While she did become, uh, she went to college in Mexico and she became a chemist. But then as soon as she got married, like that was that, like she never used her education. So all along, she encouraged us to have a better life through education. But humble beginnings, I always wanted to explore the world. So the way I did was I would get into a scholarship here or a project there. That's how I explored Washington, D.C. when I was a sophomore and junior, some, you know, leadership program, different things like that. So even though I did a program called Upper Bound Math and Science, in my mind, I was going for the math part of it, not for the science, (laughs) even though I Mm -hmm. somehow knew that I wanted to be a doctor, but I kept ignoring that because to me, I wanted to travel the world. So I figured if I become like an 
international like business person, then I can travel the world. And so I actually applied to go to St. Mary's University and I got that scholarship for that. Mm. I was there one semester and then I was like, what am I talking about? I'm really a science geek. And I went back into the pre-med and that's how I ended up with that. So I, yes, I knew that I wanted to do it, but I think I wanted to travel more. And so, you know, you're just discovering it. Um, but now I know that you can, you can do it any way you want it. And, and it's amazing how they all line up eventually. Yeah, I have to laugh because that's so much my story. I changed my major on the first day of college and I looked around and I said, I'm supposed to be pre-med and I left the room <laughs> and I went back and changed it. So I totally hear you. And and thinking that same thing, right? I have to choose one or the other instead of how do I integrate all of this into what I want to do? I love that. So choosing your specialty, that's a big part of the practice of medicine. How did that come to be? Was it always where you were headed or did that really resonate for you when you're on rotations? I'm curious. Oh my God. So this is a funny story too. Um, as soon as, so when I went in, my mission statement again was the fact that I wanted to help people like me. So that meant a primary care doctor. That meant somebody who they would be the first one they would see at the door, not the specialist that would take a while to get to. So in my mind, I actually, I didn't tell you this part. I also got certified as a high school science teacher because I knew that some of my classmates had stellar So I got certified as a high school teacher because I wasn't sure I was going to get in in my first try of getting into med school. And so um, therefore, I already had the opportunity to know how to connect with different people. And so I figured that family medicine would be that place. But because I was a high school teacher, in my mind, I thought, oh, I'm going to level up and I'm going to become adolescent medicine person, right? Mm -hmm. Because in my mind, I thought it was amazing when I had those high school kids, I could like talk to them about their life choices and I could change their trajectory in life and blah, blah, blah. When I actually went through the rotation, I was like, oh no, these are the people that are like, not that there's something wrong, but these were the people who were super like, you know, had a lot of mental issues. Not that there's anything wrong with mental issues, but I felt like I would be walking in eggshells if I asked them what their weight was or Mm. if they weren't worried about something or if they were comparing themselves with somebody. So it was, when you get to that specialty, it's because the pediatrician pulled all the stops and they just could not. And so Mm. I didn't feel like, I would be that type of doctor who had to watch every single word. I, I joke around with my patients all the time. And like, mm-hmm. when I know they're not being compliant, they're not following what I'm asking them to do. Like, sometimes I just look at them and I'm like, why did you even come? You could have used this money to go buy that tree and just, you know, start saving where you're going to die. You're in the VIP lane. You want to get there <laughs> faster. And and I know it's it's funny and I and we laugh and the thing is they're like okay doc I'll start taking my meds and I and I tell them well look I can't care more for you than than you care for yourself okay mm-hmm. and, and so I knew I could not play around like that with that type of environment mm-hmm. 
And so I was actually being interviewed for um, pediatrics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then I went to a random um, second look dinner at Baylor College of Medicine. And uh, I didn't even know I was talking to a medical program director. And he asked me what I was going into. And I told him adolescent medicine and he eventually. And then he said, you know, you could also go through family medicine and then you can just do that. I was like, no way. Mind blown. Right. So that night I went home and I switched everything to family medicine because I was like, I'm going to get to. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it's sometimes the specialty chooses you and you don't even know and even though you try to resist it you always find your way back to what you were meant to do so Mm -hmm. all along when I I came in I thought I wanted to be the primary doc but again I had that experience of wanting to talk to my kids and I thought pediatrics was the only way for me to be able to do that I didn't realize I could still do it um, through family medicine so that's why I went back to family medicine because I realized that um, if I got bored like I could just be like oh I'm just gonna see pregnant ladies or or Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna see kids or or I'm just gonna see Jerry people you know Mm -hmm. and so I didn't have to keep reinventing myself um in a different whole totally different residency program if I got bored and and that would keep me on my feet because I don't know what was coming in through the door it could have been a UTI Mm -hmm. it could have been an anxiety person it could have been ADG person it could have been anybody Mm -hmm. or the newborn right or the just found out I'm pregnant mom or like it could have been anything. So mm-hmm. family medicine, that's how I, I chose that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You chose it and it chose you. And as you've worked in that specialty, how did you then step into this ADHD life coaching space? I'm curious if that was the gateway. Was it through your practice that this came into being as a passion area for you? So um, I actually got diagnosed with the ADHD during my first semester of medical school. And when I got diagnosed, I didn't think that was the case because um, everybody around me was the same. Like my mom, my, my brother, my aunts. I was like, there's nothing wrong with us. We're all a little scattered. Like, what's the problem, right? And, and so I really was hoping it was something else. Like I was really hoping it was something else, um, like anxiety or depression or something else. Because in my mind, for me to be quote unquote perfect, like ADHD didn't fit that. And so all of a sudden, um, in my mind, I was not making the connection that ADHD didn't mean I was not perfect and who, mm-hmm. what is perfect anyways and why should I try to make myself perfect to quote unquote be valuable but in my mind I because I was so, the first one to go to medical school the first one to do everything in my family I felt like this immediate pressure of wanting to make sure I don't mess it up <laughs> somewhere along the mm-hmm. way but the fact that my dad had gotten diagnosed with cancer that same semester um I didn't know whether it was that I was just being pulled in so many directions. Point being, I graduate um, medical school and I, now they're like, okay, now you're a physician, you need to, um, and, I, and I graduate residency and then I, now I'm going to be faculty and attending. And then they tell me, you can no longer come to the student health clinic. Now you're a full physician now, you're an <laughs> attending, go get like an attending to see you, right? <laughs> and so I was like, okay, 
well, it's Houston, you would at Baylor, right? So you would think, okay, any random person I choose from a hat should know how to treat, you know, ADHD professionals, adults. Um, I didn't do my research. So that was part of the fact that not every psychiatrist is comfortable with uh, certain areas, right? Mm -hmm. So when I met that psychiatrist, he didn't talk to me for longer than two minutes and basically said, you're a physician, you should know better, you outgrow this, you don't need meds. And he like walked out. And so that to me, that was such a like shameful experience. And I never wanted to live that again. And so I basically ignored my diagnosis for like 10 years. Mm -hmm. And of course, we're as as life happens, right, you all of a sudden start having kids and you get promoted and then dang comes the pandemic (laughs) (laughs) just to add fuel to the fire. Right. Mm -hmm. And and I was somebody who always wanted to get my shit together, but I just (laughs) never felt like I had enough time to do that. (laughs) And so anywhere I could, like podcasts would be a way for me to try to educate myself. And one time I just happened to land on the uh, physician panel by Brooke Castillo. And Mm -hmm. I heard Dr. Smith uh, um, talking about her thing, empowering women physician. And I was like, what is that? And so at that point, when I joined, I joined the same day that I heard it. I heard it on a, at 7.30 by four o'clock. I had already paid the biggest expense I had ever done without even asking my husband. (laughs) (laughs) But at that point, when she had us do the questionnaire about burnout and all that, I was in denial. Like I didn't mm. call it burnout. Like I called it like life. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is just how it is. <laughs> yeah, this is just how yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. Later, I came to realize that, well, ADHD in my head was a negative thing and that it was my worst kept secret. Like I shouldn't tell anybody, maybe three people knew. Mm-hmm. I came to realize actually it might've been a gift. I mean, mm-hmm. it was the reason why I did what I did. Like I was so outspoken. Like I didn't think twice. Before. I already said that that was wrong for X, Y, C reason. <laughs> Nobody else in the room had the guts to say that. I already said mm-hmm. it, you know, um, I didn't give up if I had to do 10 times to figure it out. Like I was going to figure it out. It just, that didn't work. Like I didn't Mm. make it mean anything, but I did have this internal negative critic telling me like, get it together, you know, get it together, get it together. Don't let everybody else know how hard you're working. Mm. And I was spending 20 hours outside of work every week trying to chart. It was a love-hate relationship Mm -hmm. because I love my patients. And I always had 300 charts open and I guess management like didn't say anything because I was getting like the best reviews and coding very well. I was lucky that I trained with Baylor in the private side. Baylor at that Mm -hmm. time when I applied had two tracks. They had the underserved and the private. I, my heart was in the underserved, but somehow I ended up in the private, but maybe that was a blessing in disguise because I knew how to value, how to not leave any money on the table for all the work that I was doing. Mm-hmm. And then now I got to be able to, where I'm at now is amazing because it's like 70% have have insurance and 30% are underserved. So I get to do the best of both worlds still. Mm-hmm. Point being, pandemic hits, I discovered life coaching. 
I realized ADHD is just a circumstance. It's whatever the hell I make it mean. And then I move past it. Like I'm no longer feeling ashamed. Now I'm like, okay, how do I figure this out? So I get curious. I invest in an ADHD coach. I didn't even know those existed. When I went in, they were just like, here's some pills. That's it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, dang. And then I I remember feeling guilty that the pills would only last so long. Like nobody Mm -hmm. explained to me, Hey, they're only meant to, if they're regular, they're only supposed to be in your brain for four hours. Then I'll be like, Oh my God, I didn't listen. And so (laughs) the point is that Once I became curious, I realized, okay, I can create systems. I don't have to stay in this same box that I've been trying to put myself in the box. Like if I'm somebody who listens, why can't I read that way? Like, why can't I listen to a whole audiobook? Why do I have to force myself to sit there? Because I have 20, 30 books I never opened. All of a sudden I started buying them in the audio version. That's how I learned. I was like, oh my God, I consumed 10 books in the last once I got over the fact that I had to stay in a certain box. Yeah. So once I, I, I learned how to close my charts, which again, 300 charts, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, wait a Thank minute, you. maybe mm-hmm. I should, I should reach out to other people. Maybe I should try something like this. And so I signed up for the live coach goal. I thought this is maybe if I coach great, if I don't, maybe it's just a journey of self-discovery discovery like what is my mental health and my confidence and my decision making worth how much have I already invested in medical school and like how much is my house worth like how much is my car worth like I'm the best asset if I'm not together Mm -hmm. (laughs) everything else is irrelevant and so that's how I became an ADHD life coach mind you the people that are working with me not all of them have ADHD which is good too because the simple the systems I'm creating are meant to be simple so where you can choose what is the my intention today what is Mm -hmm. the one thing like there's no such thing as multitasking Mm -hmm. um we think there is but it just slows us down so learning like that 20 percent of things that are really really critical can give us 80 percent of the results was like mind-blowing for me like Mm -hmm. If I just focus on one thing at a time, like I could get stuff done in like fewer hours (laughs) than trying to do everything at once. So I started to implement things. Luckily, I was the medical director. So any systems that (laughs) I wanted, I was like, everybody's getting it. Everybody (laughs) across the board. So don't ask me if they need medication refills. Everybody gets one month. And Mm -hmm. And if they're controlled substance, they need to come in. So yeah. I started making systems for me and for mm-hmm. them. So where we were all on the same page, I had them create templates that we would all use. It didn't matter if it was me or the nurse practitioners. Mm-hmm. And I started to get a referral coordinator. I started to make things that allowed me to be on the top of my game so that I no longer was spending 20 hours calling like patients back to try to remember what we talked about because it had been so long ago (laughs) Mm -hmm. and not picking up the phone to call people back, right? Because I would love to talk to them, but they need to be in here for an appointment because I'm going to get off track. (laughs) Exactly. And I hear in there so many ways that you're relating structure and function. And when the structure doesn't fit, like you said, putting you in boxes or asking you to do things in ways that just don't make sense. And that we often do, we just keep agreeing to it because like that's the way we do things. And so we'll just keep 
doing them that way and then creating structure so that you can function more easily, right? And it can be some basic things, right? Templates and refill processes, but they can make such a huge difference. I love that. Yeah. And I'm curious, and I love that you brought up that it can be for people without ADHD or with, or, you know, with a version of it, so, you know, different iterations, because charting is a pandemic of its own for physicians and healthcare providers at all stages. And so what are those ways, if you can give us maybe a teaser or a pearl of how you can go from 300 open to charts closed, you know, and sure. some key yes. pieces of that path. I know everyone's like taking notes right now. <laughs> <laughs> so if they didn't listen to anything, but what I'm about to say, this is the most important takeaway point. And don't think I came up with it. I did not. I'm going to give credit to the person that helped me see this. And that's uh, Sarah Smith, who's the charting coach. She had two sessions with me while I was an empowering women physician, one at the start of the program and one at the end of the program. And like I said, she changed my life enough to where a year later, I was able to be one of her guest coaches in her program. So I'm giving her the credit for this tip that I'm about to share. She said, and it made sense. And I noticed it did. She said, your thoughts are always going to be that you're running behind and you probably are. But the fact that you're thinking that you're running behind, you're more behind than you think. And so your patient is not going to know if you're 10 minutes behind or an hour behind. They're probably going to be on their phone. They're going to be scrolling away. <laughs> They're not going to know. So if you're already behind, you might as well give yourself those four to five minutes after each patient before you walk into the next patient to chart your assessment and plan and give yourself nuggets. Like if you're not going to touch the uh, physical exam, Put right leg cellulitis about golf ball, giving antibiotic of amoxicillin return in three days, blood pressure, um, you know, not controlled, not on meds, not changing anything because they were non-compliant. So she's allowed me to do bullet points. She said, you don't have to write all those paragraphs that people say, give yourself those four to five minutes before you walk to the next door. She's like, your brain's not going to want to let you do that. But if you do, you're going to notice. And I did notice I was now working from short-term memory, not Mm -hmm. long-term memory. So that made such a big difference for me because I just got curious. I started taking notes like crazy. How much, how long did this one take me to do? How long did this one take me to do? And for a whole week, not changing anything. I just recorded what I was doing before I implemented what she said. Mm -hmm. And then I recorded what I did when I implemented those four to five minutes that she said. So to close the notes, when I did those four to five minutes, it might Sometimes I could actually close the whole note right there and there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then if I didn't, then it would only take me five minutes if I closed it that same day, like later on, an additional Mm -hmm. five minutes. But if I waited till the next day, it would take me 10 to 20. And the longer Mm -hmm. that I waited, the longer that it would take me to try to reproduce what had happened. It was Mm -hmm. just, 
out of, you know, it was just out of sight, out of mind, you know? Mm -hmm. And so you could easily see as a family medicine physician who sees 20 patients a day, right? How that just means I was three weeks behind, Mm -hmm. right? It, it, It doesn't mean I was months behind. It just means I was three weeks behind, but enough for you to feel like you could never catch up because again, I was spending already 20 hours outside of work and I was still 300 charts behind. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So imagine if I wasn't in putting in those 20 extra unpaid hours Mm -hmm. and an amazing mentor, Dr. Una helped me do the Mm -hmm. math. It was about $68,000. I was not getting paid per year from those Mm -hmm charting unpaid charting hours so I decided something had to change and I that's why I decided that nobody else should have to go through that pain of having their spouses roll their eyes or their kids like feeling neglected because you're home but you're Mm -hmm. just gonna eat and then you're gonna go hide yourself in a study so that you can finish the notes right or go on vacation, but you still have your computer on you trying to pay for the Wi-Fi so that you can close as many because, you know, so yeah. many times. And then you're frustrated because the damn Wi-Fi is too slow, you know. Exactly. So, <laughs> so I decided nobody had to do that again. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why I'm doing this, this group. But, you know, so that's the pearl. Give yourself those four to five minutes. Even if your brain tells you you can't do it. Believe me, they're on their phone, on Facebook. They're doing something else. They're not going to care, but you, Mm -hmm. it will make a difference. And then another tip is try to see how you can gain those four to five minutes. Maybe you have like, if they're coming in for depression screening or they're coming in for ADHD screening or for a wellness visit or something like that, maybe you have already printed out questionnaires that, They do before you even walk in the room, right? So that you're not the one asking all 20 questions. Like that's not the good sense of your time. You can get those five minutes right there for you to be able to chart. So figure where you can shave off time on tasks that you don't have to do. Like I stopped doing mini mental exams, not me. My nurse does them now, you know, I trained her how. And so Mm -hmm. I can go to the next room and then come back and then I can do that, not sit there Mm trying to pull that information out of somebody. That's amazing. Already so much value added there. So how else can people gain more insight from you? And thank you for crediting Dr. Sarah Smith and her amazing work there too. How do these programs come to be? So what are the ways that you engage with physicians who are looking for the support? Yes. So I I have set up my group coaching programs to be an environment where people can come as they are. Like you don't have to be a a rock star, but you don't have to feel like um, you're not going to get anything out away from it. The reason I say five hours is because some people kind of already have it together. So it's going to be hard for us to pull more. But I, I, I I also say 10, because like I said, I easily gain 20, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. I don't want to make that because people will see what each get. But the way that the program works is we talk about everything. We go from planning to, yeah, I know people with ADHD usually run away when I say the word planning. (laughs) They're like, you're going to put me in a box again. (laughs) And I'm like, no, I'm trying to give you the freedom of time. We're not talking planning like 40 things on a thing. Again, going back, what do I have to pay so 
like, what do I have to put in my calendar so that I don't have to pay for it? Like, mm-hmm. when is my license due? When is my child's appointment due? You know, mm-hmm. things like that that are the big picture that it's now or not now. And then we get lost in the details. So at least putting the big intention there. So we talk about planning. We talk about prioritizing because believe me, we're the dreamers. We want to do all 40 things. And then we're so mad that we only got through 10 today. And we're such a failure, you know, and we yeah. never give ourselves credit. So, and so, you know, us doctors, we're amazing buffers, right? Like we mm-hmm. want to be busy. So the most thing, the most important thing is learning how to schedule your fun part first, which yeah, is like yeah. almost unheard of because we have this running negative thing in our brain saying, but you haven't done X, Y, Z. And it's like, well, if you want dopamine, which is how you function, you have to first do the fun thing so that then you mm. can go and do the other thing that, and what do I mean by fun thing? I mean, go for a run, actually go to mm-hmm. sleep. You know, <laughs> go on a date night with your husband. Oh my God, they yeah. exist, right? Or your girlfriend. Mm-hmm. You might have a girlfriend, you know, anything. Mm-hmm. But the point is planning, prioritizing, decluttering. So we definitely talk about decluttering because mm-hmm. remember, decisions, things are decisions that were good at one point, but they're not, no longer good. So just like the systems that got us here, they were good. Otherwise, they were good at that point or so you thought, but they're not mm-hmm. They're not your zone of genius. Otherwise, you wouldn't be talking to me, right? Otherwise, mm-hmm. you would have figured out your life and you have already designed it the way you want. So we we get to, to talk about decluttering. We get to talk about self-coaching. I do teach them how they can coach themselves. We talk about compassion. Um, yeah, so we talk about it, uh, emotional dysregulation. Uh, we talk about executive function. We all wake up with us kind of like an energy bar right and by the end of the day that goes down and down the more decisions that we make the more down it goes so that's why if I were to call you up in the morning and say Amelia would you like to have a margarita with me at 7 a.m and you're probably gonna be like no you're crazy right but if I call you at 7 p.m you might actually consider it right Mm -hmm. and so it's because we did so many decisions throughout the day that we're just kind of spent and it also Mm -hmm. makes sense that that's why we go through the drive-through that's why we eat all the sugar because we're we're looking for dopamine and that's why we become overweight and that's why there's a link with diabetes and ADHD and Mm -hmm. and so all that kind of comes together and we tease all that out. And, 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 and so that's what this community is about. You get to listen to videos because some people like to see videos or you li- get to listen mm-hmm. to it through a podcast. Some people learn that way. They're short <laughs> because mm-hmm. they're like 30 minutes or less. Mm-hmm. But the biggest thing now is I just got approved for AMA credit. So now they can mm-hmm. actually get credit for being in, in the program. But it gets even better. I even bring guest coaches who are amazing mm-hmm. in their field. So like I'll bring in a meditation coach or sleeping coach or a nutrition coach or a trauma coach or mm-hmm. declutter coach. So it's bringing the best of all the worlds of what I've discovered in the last year and a half. So they could come to a community where they can be themselves and they don't have to feel like 
oh my God, somebody else is going to roll their eyes because, you know, I'm late when I showed up or, (laughs) I mean, we're all busy physicians. And so it's meant to be tailored for them. And it's meant to be an easy thing where they just come and they grow and then they just turn around. They're like, oh my God, how did that happen? Uh, People just always amaze themselves. Once they make that commitment, I had one person commit and we did a private one-on-one call. She had 240 charts. She told me she, I was her Hail Mary. That's what she told me. (laughs) She said, they're going to fire me if I don't even show that I'm trying, right? Um, She was uh, two weeks into my program. And then she, she, she tells me, guess what? I was like, what? And she's like, I've closed 140 out of those 240. I was like, no way. How did you do that? And she's like, I just did what you told me in my private session. I just followed what you said. And I was like, well, what was the thought that was getting you there? She's like, well, if she could do it, I could too. You gave me hope. (laughs) So sometimes it's just knowing that somebody else is like there and has done it and totally gets you and is not going to judge you for like all the thoughts that you're Mm -hmm. having because we have a human brain and we're all having those. And so it's, it's good to be able to, um, take back medicine and have fun, like, and enjoy your patients again without feeling like the charting is what's Mm going to keep you from it. Right. So now I've learned to, to see my, my notes as like a love note is my love note to my patient. Right. Mm -hmm. And I tell myself 90% of those love notes, nobody reads. So it's okay. I can, I can, I can bullet point them. (laughs) Perfect. So where can people find you if they would like to work with you? What is your contact and information space? Sure. Yeah. So they're welcome to come to my uh, website so they can do a free strategy call with me so we can get them on their way. Uh, My website is ADHD-lifecoach.com. And I am um, on social media. I am beyond ADHD um, life coach at uh, Instagram. And I have a podcast now that it's also called um, Beyond ADHD, A Physician's Perspective. And so, yeah, reach out probably through my website would be the, the easiest way. And of course, I'm on TikTok. I'm all over the place. You know, we get creative. <laughs> uh, so yeah. like I told you, I went from like not telling anybody I had ADHD to like deciding to go on a podcast uh, with Tracy Atsuga. She mm-hmm. is a lawyer out of California who has uh, a podcast called um, ADHD for smart ass women. Okay. And she is one of those who started to help me to see that um, we could do whatever we needed to. And, and it's been amazing to, I still follow her every, every time because she brings in all these amazing females. She only brought one man is Dr. Hollowell. Hollowell. Um, Mm -hmm. But anyways, the point is that I think the more we talk about stuff that seem like taboo topics, like mental health, the more we come aware that, um, it's not anything different like high blood pressure, diabetes or cancer or anything like that. I mean, in fact, it's genetic, right? Like, so you don't know what you don't know. And it's important that if you do get the diagnosis, you understand why it's important to take the medication, but more importantly, 
get a coach so that you can get the skills because the pills don't do that part. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, unfortunately, I have seen people who end up in jail because they end up using cocaine, you know, Mm -hmm. because that gives them dopamine and they don't know. It's kind of like people with iron deficiency anemia that they want to eat dirt and they don't know why, Mm -hmm. what they're craving it. Right. And they end up maybe, you know, dying from a car accident because having ADHD and not being treated for it, there's studies out there that show that it can cut your life by 18%. Then -hmm. of course you hear all the stories of like, divorce and all kinds of stuff, right? So it's not just about charting. It's about how it affects all areas of your life, how it can be very expensive financially, but emotionally, spiritually. Mm -hmm. And of course, it can exhausting, right? I mean, I wanted to, (laughs) I wanted to make a post about um, how, how do others around you like function when you don't function right um mm-hmm. yeah I, I've seen some of my nurses and not just my nurses but there's other people in my clinic who also have ADHD and when they're not in their midst I see my nurses are like where where's my excitement you know and so <laughs> we affect everybody else and so mm-hmm. the point is that you shouldn't, if you have ADHD, please take your medications if you're able to safely and don't take, your your people don't take holidays on the weekend. Like you need your medication, okay? <laughs> but if medication doesn't work for you, find other ways like running, meditation, uh, talk to a therapist. Um, you know, there's many other ways and and, and all, they all can complement each other. Whether you use pills or not, there's, they all can complement each other, especially mm-hmm. with nutrition. You just have to have a low sugar diet because otherwise you end up with diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. The pills and the skills put them together. And so I, I hear it in what you're saying, right? The financial, spiritual, emotional costs. And so I think that's a great segue into this wrap-up conclusion and seeing how you see yourself for the health of all things. Yeah. So now I see myself as somebody who's whole, somebody who um, doesn't have to feel ashamed for quote unquote, um, having to hide certain parts of herself. Now I've learned to embrace that ADHD is a gift. You just have to learn how to unwrap it. And so I feel like those 10 years of quote unquote, me being a hot mess, (laughs) was what was preparing me to be able to relate to the rest of the world and say, hey, my hot mess got me here, but I'm going to teach you to get to the next level because we just have to find systems that allow us to work in our zone of genius. I love that. Well, thank you for doing this, for bringing this to all physicians and all people, right? Finding those ways we can honor what we might see as a harm or a weakness as a gift. You know, that's amazing and finding the structure to optimize the function in our lives. Fantastic. We'll post all that information in the show notes so you can get engaged and learn more about this work. And I'm sure we could have many more conversations. Thank you so much for taking this time and sharing with us your story. Thank you. Had an amazing time talking with you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of This Osteopathic Life, Conversations for the Health of All Things. Please take a moment 
to like, rate, and review the podcast. And if you would like to be featured as a guest or know someone who you'd like to nominate as a guest for an episode, please let me know at thisosteopathiclife at gmail.com. Visit the website at thisosteopathiclife.com or visit me on Instagram and Facebook at This Osteopathic Life. Thank you so much for listening.